You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Uh, hey, good morning, Gateway Church. It's an honor to uh, be on this uh, platform this morning and bringing the word. Thank you, Pastor Ben, for always entrusting me, and thank you for entrusting me as well. Yesterday marked six years that Renissa and I have been married, and it's been such a blessing. Yeah. Um, I was telling we were at Coast Guard yesterday, and I was telling her we were by the fireworks, and I was like, Renissa. All these fireworks, all these people are here just for us. They're here to celebrate us. And she's like, no, they're not. And so, uh, but before I met Renissa, uh, something I was actually not good at was I was stingy with my money. Uh, she's helped me so much in this area. And I actually, as a teenager, before I knew Christ, I would actually go eat at a restaurant and then not pay. Um, and so I just wanted to stand here before you this morning and confess my sins to you. And uh, yeah, and so, but yeah, I would eat and scram. And this idea of tithing, though, just never made sense to me before I under, nah, no teenagers in the room. Do not follow that example, please. I get the teenagers and parents are looking at me like, what did he just say? Just kidding. Um, but uh, before I understood this idea of tithing, I was like, what is this? Why would I ever do this? And then I understood it more and more. And, and Renissa helped me so much in this area. And it's just it's such a blessing. Now, I understand this. When I say the word tithing, sometimes a wall comes up. And then you want to tune me out. And so I want to encourage you this morning, uh, don't tune me out because I believe God's got something for you today. Um, You can go ahead and open up your Bibles or devices to Genesis 41. We've been in the series, as Pastor Ben talked about, called The Test, and we've declared this as a summer of dreams. How many of you guys know we live in a dream location, right? Uh, It's been an incredible summer here in West Michigan. Uh, Renice and I were talking uh, just yesterday. We're like, why would we ever leave and go on vacation during the summer here? Why We would just go during the winter when it's cold and we want to break from it. And so, but this has been a summer of dreams, a summer of character building, and we're going to to, we said all summer long that we're going to believe big, we're going to pray big, and we're going to receive big in Jesus' name. And we've called this the test. We've gone through the pride test. We've gone through the pit test. We've gone through the palace test, which was a test on stewardship, which we're going to be talking a little bit deeper into today. Uh, we've talked about the purity test, how there's victory in Jesus' name. Come on, we sung about that this morning. Uh, we've talked about the prison test, and we also talked about the power test the last time Pastor Ben preached on this series. And today, we're going to be talking about the prosperity test. Webster's defines prosperity as the condition of being successful or thriving. And when we look at the beginning of Genesis 41, we see that Pharaoh dreamed and he saw seven fat cows. Now, how many of you guys dream and you see seven fat cows? Probably no one in there. How many of you guys want seven fat cows? Oh, just a few, yeah? He dreamed that he saw seven fat cows and seven thin cows, and the seven thin cows ate the seven fat cows. And then Pharaoh dreamed that he saw seven plump stalks of grain and seven thin lightened stalks of grain, and the seven thin stalks ate the seven plump stalks. And so Pharaoh knew these dreams were significant, and he wanted to find somebody to help him with these dreams and help interpret these dreams. And that's kind of where we pick up in verse 25 today. 
It says in verse 25, Joseph responded, both of, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. How many of you guys believe that God still speaks today? Come on. I believe it so wholeheartedly. And he says, the seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described before God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. The famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. Now, how many of you guys know sometimes when you encounter a bad situation or a bad trial in life, you could be having the best day in the best moment of your life, but when you encounter that bad thing, it kind of takes over right? And uh, that's kind of what he's saying here. And as uh, for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man named Pastor Sean and put him in charge, just kidding, and put him in charge of the entire land. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of the crops during the seven good years, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that they are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses and store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come in the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Let's pray. God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a speaking God. Lord, that you are with us always, even during the difficult moments. And God, I pray, Lord, this word this morning will just rest on ears ready to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen, amen, amen. God had a plan to make sure uh, that there would be plenty of food during the seven years of famine. He wanted to make sure that the right person was in charge that was ready to steward that moment, and that person was Joseph. He had already gone through the palace test, so it made perfect sense that he had gone through that stewarding test that he would be chosen to steward this moment. And when we talked about the palace test, we talked about how it was our time, our treasure, and our talents, but this morning we're going to focus in a little bit on the treasure because in this moment in Joseph's life, this food was a very treasurable item. If you don't have food for seven years, it was likely you were not going to survive, right? And so when we look at things today, what would it mean to be successful? And most of the time we look at the money category. And if I have a lot of money, that makes me successful. And that must make me prosperous. But honestly, we need to learn how to steward our money better. You know, the first time I ever stepped on a car lot, it was probably like the most fun I've had as far as like, you know, talking somebody down because I'm a very competitive person. And so Ernest and I, when we went to this car lot, we still have the car to this day, and we went to this car lot, and we were there for three hours, and we were negotiating, and all of a sudden, and it, it became a competition to me. Renissa was very annoyed, um, but it became a competition to me because I just kept seeing this number go down and down and down. I'm like, how far are they willing to go? And so I kept talking them down, and then uh, 
then they offered me a deal I could not refuse. You see, Renice and I, uh, we were not good stewards of our money at this moment. We had some credit card debt, and uh, they're like, hey, you have uh, this credit card debt. We want to combine this car payment and your credit card debt for a lower interest rate. And I was like, that's when they got me. I was like, that sounds so good. And it was a mistake. And then we drove the car off the lot, and it, all of a sudden it sank in. This is the biggest mistake ever, because Dave Ramsey says when you drive a car off the lot, all of a sudden it loses its value. And so it was a mistake that we live with to this day, but luckily, we, uh, because of this church and the heart of this church, we went through Financial Peace University with Rachel and Par Mar, and they were great teachers. They taught us well. We were doing the snowball effect, and we've knocked down $10,000 off that car this year. Amen? Yeah. But I'm still learning to be a better steward of my money. But man, I can say this, I am blessed because of God. And this is a lot where Renes has helped me. It says in Proverbs 11:24, give freely and become more wealthy and be stingy and lose everything. And so part of being a good stewardship when it comes to handling money is making sure the tithe is important. And tithe meaning one-tenth. And I get it. This idea of tithing, especially if you're new to the church or visiting with us today, you're like, the church is just talking about money again. The tithing is so important. I just want to clear clear up one myth about tithing, and it's that the church shouldn't talk about money. And I think this, the church should talk about whatever Jesus talks about. And the Bible is very clear on how we spend our money and how we are supposed to be good stewards of our finances. Bible money stats, 11 out of 39 parables talk about money. Whether that's just examples they're using in that time to provide a bigger point or whether that's just simply what they're talking about. One in seven verses of those parables talk about money and 2,300 verses in the Bible deal with your finances. I would say it's pretty important. And I mean, everyone would say prayer and faith is important, but so should our hand Handling of money be that much more important if the scripture talks about it. Billy Graham, someone who's highly respected in the faith, says if a person can get his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. If you've ever put God first in your finances, you understand this, that it can be difficult. That it's a faith step, but blessing comes. And sometimes the blessing is not always money on the other side either. Renissa and I have practiced this principle for a long time. I can say this, and I was talking to her the other day. I was like, have we ever received a check in the mail because we tithe? And the answer is no, because the blessing is not always money. But I can say this, Renissa and I are blessed because of God. Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint uh, and dill and cumin and yet have neglected the weighter matters of the law, 
justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And so what he's saying here is tithe is, tithing is important. Uh, now, in this uh, time, it was an agricultural age. And so today, we don't tithe mint and dill and cumin. Unless, Pastor Ben, you want to put that on the giving, and then we might receive a, a ton of dill, mint, and cumin. But today is a different way. But he says, having neglected matters well. You, typically, when you come to the Gateway Church, you might hear messages about justice, mercy, faithfulness, and prayer. But he also says, these you ought to have not done without neglecting the others. So he's saying it's important to tithe. On the first day of every week in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, it says each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So I want to answer the question, why tithe this morning? I want to answer in a good way as well as how important it is for us to steward our money. And the first thing is tithing puts God first in your life. And I would suggest this, if God isn't first in your finances, that God might not be first in other areas. It always takes faith to put God first in your finances. Robert Morris, the series this is loosely based off of, he gives an example. If I had $100 in my hand, and which one's the tithe? He would say the first $10. And a lot of times we live life as if we're tipping a waiter. We go through the process, we go through the church, or we go through the, the getting the meal, and then all of a sudden we leave a tip on how good the service was. Listen, God's good yesterday, today, and forever. He's good all the time. And we can give our tithe to God and not tip God. And when you put God first, you're going to have to budget the rest. It's not going to be easy to have a faith step in God and then, then do with whatever you want. You, you have to live below your means. And we need to be good stewards of our finances. That means you may not need eight streaming surfaces. Come on. You know? And now if you can live below your means and have eight streaming surfaces, by all means, that's you. But it also may mean you're not going through Starbucks like five or six times a day, right? It can add up. I know um, when something that helped Renissa and I out, that helped see our budget uh, very clearly, uh, Renissa wanted this espresso machine for her birthday. And I was like, we, we can make this happen, maybe. I uh, said, so let's look at our budget and see, you know, how much we're spending on coffee a month. And we started going through Starbucks a few times a day, and then the coffee, the other coffee we'd buy, the home coffee. And we realized we're spending over 450 bucks on Starbucks alone. And I was like, Renissa, yes, we can get you this espresso machine, and we're cutting out the rest because we were spending so much money just on Starbucks alone. The, when we budgeted, it helps see uh, uh, things more clearly in our life. So the question is, when should you start budgeting? Now, if you do not have a budget, I would encourage you to get a budget. And there's so many excellent apps out there. Renissa and I use the Dave Ramsey Every Dollar app, but there's so much more out there. But I will say this, it's a sacrifice to tithe. It's a sacrifice to tithe. The tithe, in this case, isn't the same for everyone. But the sacrifice will always be the same. 
Just like Joseph in the story, they were going to have to sacrifice the first few pieces of food in order for them to have enough food for the last seven years. So tithing is a sacrifice, but tithing helps you put God first in your life. Secondly, tithing keeps me involved in the vision of the church. This is so huge. Because what God is doing here at the Gateway Church is amazing. Well, God, when you give, it participates you in what God is doing. When you give, you, these mission videos we've heard all summer long, it participates you in what God is doing over there. Some of you guys gave towards youth camp this year, and I can say God did an amazing work at youth camp, but God's participating you as you give to, into the church and the things and the mission and the vision of the church. It says in 1 Chronicles 29.3, In addition, in my delight in the house of the God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God and over and above all that I've already provided for the holy temple. So some of you may have stopped giving because you've stopped delighting in God's house. A lot of times people stop giving to the church because their heart becomes disconnected from what God is doing there. But something happens when you tithe. You know, when I was in my former ministry with youth pastoring, our big mission's emphasis was Speed the Light. And I love Speed the Light. I love what they provide, vehicles and missions equipment for all over the country. But Renissa and I, we uh, realized we were, being, we were probably the lowest givers in our church, but we were the biggest voices in the church for Speed the Light. And we realized how upside down that was. And so uh, we were challenged and we were convicted in that. We started giving uh, more than we were before. And as we gave towards this missions organization, we realized our hearts grew bigger for it. And something happened when we began to put this missions organization in front of the students. We had more passion for it. And therefore, the students had more passions for it. And then the church had more passion for it. And we just saw how it trickled down. You see, something happens when you tithe. This is my church. You're walking around and you're saying, I want this church to succeed. I want to see souls come to know Jesus in this church. I want to see people's lives changed in this church. I want to see the cross demonstrated power in this church. I want to help and volunteer in other areas in this church. I want to help the youth minister. I want to help the kids minister. I want to help the connections. I want people to experience God in this church. And why does that happen when you tithe? Because where your treasure is, your heart is there too. When I tithe, it moves me from a spectator to a participator. And what God is doing through his church. You know, it's said here before that the gateway um, helps support over 100 missionaries. That's so huge. But it's because of you guys are part of that. Lastly, tithing gives me access to supernatural blessing. See, there's two types of people. There's the person who doesn't tithe and is always stressed. And I would suggest that uh, when growing up, see, my parents, you know, we didn't really go to church. Um, and my 
my mom was always stressed when it came to finances. It was check to check. It was uh, financially, like, she was always stressed. But I would have suggested if, she would, if we knew about this principle then, then maybe it would have been different. But then there's also the person who says, I'm tithe, I tithe, and I'm blessed. And again, the blessing doesn't always have to come back financially. The blessing could be any other area. Like my mentor, or one of my mentors uh, growing up, he would always say he could be going through the most difficult situation in his life, but he was always able to say, I'm blessed. And it was because he had this principle nailed down. And again, the blessing doesn't always mean financially. The blessing can be in other areas. But every time you talk to someone who tithes, they always say, I'm blessed. When we put God first, he blesses the rest. I don't know why that happens. I can't really sit here up here and explain why that happens. I just know it happens. When we put God first, he blesses the rest. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up here. And then Eli, I'm going to call you up here too. Give it up for Eli as he comes up here. Yeah. I'm going to give him a dime, and then he's going to close his fist. And this illustration is honestly how I lived my life for the longest time. You see, we close our fists when God gives us something, and he gives us something to steward, and when he wants to bring blessing to your life, we don't give it. And so um, it kind of looks like this. Keep your hand closed. As God's trying to bless you, your hand is just quenched. He He wants you to open it up. He wants to bless you. He wants to do something in your life, but your hand's closed to the thing God wants to do. And every time you ask yourself, God, where are you at in my life? God, why won't you bless me? God, why won't you be here in my situation? God would say, I'm here. I'm trying to bless you. And he's got some big knuckles here. Just saying. But he's like, I'm trying to bless you, but like, you're not opening your hand to God. But when you begin to give, I'm a firm believer in this. You can open up your hand and just begin to give it to God. Give to God. And as, as you continue to give, God fills. And as you continue to do it more, God fills. And then he starts giving you a lot. And then he's saying, you know what? You're stewarding well what I'm giving you. He's like, I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep giving. You give, God fills. 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 And as you continue to give, God fills your life. So you may be struggling this morning in a situation. You may be struggling financially. You may be struggling. You give, God fills. Amen. Amen. Give it up for Eli for helping me out. My wife's probably looking at me right now and be like, you just messed up that stage. Um, she's like, that doesn't look good. Just kidding. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, it reads, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as his heart 
has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 11, reading down, it says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through his will produces thanksgiving to God. So we can be thankful to God for everything that he's doing in our life. And as we give, he is going to fill. But honestly, if I were to say one thing about tithing, tithing isn't an obedience sign. It's a sacrifice sign. You're sacrificially giving. You're surrendering to God, saying, God, you've given me this, and I want to give it back. And again, that doesn't mean just financially. That can mean any area in life. If God has every part of you but your finances, you've deceived yourself in thinking he has If I have such a wall up about financially giving, then maybe there's something in your life that you might need to surrender more. So I'm going to have everyone stand in this room. And what we're going to do is we're going to just have a moment of fresh surrender. Saying, God, I want everything that you have for me. And so for some of you, that may be walking down here and saying, I want to surrender more of my life to you. For some in this room, maybe that's finding a spot in your seat. For some in this room, maybe that's like praying for your spouse, saying together we want all that you have for us. So I'm just going to pray, and then I'll come back up here and close in just a moment. Uh, But yeah, let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we honor you. Lord, I pray in this moment that you can specifically speak to us about what it looks like to freshly surrender, for you to have it all. closed. The Lord may be speaking to you in this moment. Maybe you've stopped uh, tithing. Maybe he's challenging you to test him in that again. Maybe, maybe you feel like you haven't been connected that well to the church. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to move you from a spectator to a participant. also felt strongly just a second ago that there's people in this room who have been praying for their kids to come to know the Lord. So we're praying for families. I just want to challenge you when you're with your kids or with your, with your, with your, when you're with your families to steward your time well. To show boldness when you're with them. And what it looks like to be bold in Christ. Again, with eyes closed and heads bowed, there might be one last group in the room. Those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today is your day. Jesus died on the cross for you. He wants to send blessings your way. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today, again, is your day. Jesus died for you. Today is the day of salvation. So if you'd say that to you, say, I want to know who Jesus is today. Can I just see your hand? Just go ahead and raise your hand high. 
another second or two if you raise your hand if I don't see you. everyone in the room is a follower of Jesus. That means we got to live on mission. Be bold and tell people about Jesus. And maybe, maybe that means part of your stewardship, it's part of your time saying, you know what, this week I'm going to spend some time and I'm going to tell someone about God. Again, I would like to challenge you and if you've never tithed before, you to do so because it moves you to being a participator in what God is doing here and he's doing so much here starting a new ministry we've already seen so many uh, testimonies of what God's done in City Serve it's been amazing I'm going to pray and I'm going to close up Jesus we just thank you for today Lord we thank you for this moment uh, that we've had with you Lord this challenging moment that you've uh, Lord I pray God that as we leave, Lord, you challenge us to tell people about God, Lord, that we would do something with the words that you've spoken to us this morning, just as an act of fresh surrender to the things that you're doing here at the Gateway Church, but really on the lakeshore as well. Lord, we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, in Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.